Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And be sure to add our podcast, Relapt, in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. Welcome to Relapt, the podcast racing you through F1 history. I'm your host, Deanna, and today we have part one of the 1978 season. If you're new here, I highly suggest going back and listening to the first episode, the season intro. Kind of gives you a lay of the land of the teams and the drivers. And on today's show, we're going to cover the first five rounds of the 1978 season. This process has been a little bit tougher than expected. All of the races I watched were on YouTube and none of them were in English. Meaning I had to do a lot of research on the back end, read a lot of articles, but I think I was finally able to piece it all together. But it was a fun process. I learned a lot and I'm excited to share all of that with you guys. So we are just going to jump straight into it and It's early January in 1978, and we're headed to South America for the first round of the season in Argentina. This is the 14th race taking place at the Buenos Aires circuit, and it should have been the 15th, but back in 76, the country was in political turmoil, and the race was moved two weeks before first practice started to Interlagos in Brazil. But that turmoil resulted in a new regime called the national reorganization process, which ended up being a military dictatorship. And I don't know a lot about this. I didn't do too much research into this. But what I can tell you is that the regime lasted till 83 and almost all surviving members of the regime are serving sentences for crimes against humanity and genocide. This meant that armed troops were directing people around the circuit, and while the locals were unbothered, it definitely put the visiting fans and media on edge. Luckily, that didn't cause any more drama outside of that, but definitely an interesting little tidbit, give you a lay of the land. Moving on to the race and qualifying. So for qualifying, the way that it worked back then is there were two time sessions on Friday, an untimed session on Saturday morning, and a third time session on Saturday afternoon. And of those three time sessions, whoever put the fastest lap in was who was on pole. Also at this time, there were more entrants than places on the grid. So these times also decided who would be eliminated. Going into this week, there were 27 entrants going for 24 spots. And unfortunately, one of those non-qualifiers was Davina Galica, who we talked about in the last episode. But our top 10 for qualifying in Argentina looked like this. In 10th place was Depaye for Tyrrell. In 9th was Tombe for McLaren. 8th was Lafitte for Ligier. 7th was Villeneuve for Ferrari. 6th was Hunt for McLaren. 5th was Lauda for Brabham. Fourth was Watson for Brabham. 
Third was Peterson for Lotus. Second was Reutemann for Ferrari. And first was Andretti for Lotus. The race. It was a hot sunny day in Buenos Aires, and we are going for 52 laps around the Autodromo Juan E. Oscar Galvez. The stands are packed, and they're cheering for hometown hero Carlos Reutemann, who is going for his first home win, starting from second on the grid. But that hope died a little quickly when Andretti got a great start off the line, sailing into the lead, and... Reutemann had no hope in keeping up with him, a sign that the Michelin tires might not be up to the challenge. And going further into the race, Reutemann was trying to keep close to Andretti, but was also holding off the pair of Brabham's, with Watson getting the best of his world champion teammate, Lauda. Only six laps in, Watson finally pulled that move on Reutemann and kind of took the life out of the Argentinian fans. And on lap 10, Andretti had already pulled a 10-second lead. Reutemann's day was going from bad to worse. As only 12 laps in, the new Michelins were already struggling. And F1 back then was different from it is today in that the cars typically used only one set of tires and fueled for the entire race. So pitting at that point was pretty much detrimental. It was a pretty rare thing to happen. And he was trying absolutely everything he could to avoid it. But in doing so, Depaye, Lauda, Hunt, and Peterson all got through. And he was desperately trying to hold off Lafitte for seventh place. Which is not the place reigning world constructors champions Ferrari want to be. This little scrap went on for 10 laps and... Reutemann's day was almost ended when Lafitte misjudged his braking zone and hit the rear wheel of the Ferrari, who at this point had no choice but to pit and rejoined 15th. Ferrari having a day to forget, but back up front, Andretti was just having a nice Sunday drive, all in his lonesome and considerably off, but Brabham was in line for a double podium finish with Watson running in second and Lauda in third. But then Watson's bad luck from last season came back for him again when a leak in his cooling system drained the car of all of its water and he was forced to retire. After that, the race was pretty uneventful from there, except Lauda did some pretty amazing defending in the closing few laps to hold on to second from Depaye. Okay, so the way that points worked back then is they were awarded to the top six finishers. So nine points for first place, six points for second place, four points for third place, three for fourth, two for fifth, and one for sixth. And then whatever driver and whatever team had the most of those points at the end of the season are the world champions. So the results for our first race of the season are Andretti for Lotus and a very dominant led every lap, took pole the whole nine yards. Lauda came in second. Depaye came in third for Tyrrell. Hunt had a quiet day and came home fourth for McLaren. Peterson was in fifth for Lotus and Tombe rounded out the points in sixth for McLaren. Outside of that, Villeneuve set his first fastest lap ever, although he didn't finish in the points. And 
with all the hype of being his home race and officially being number one at Ferrari and having the new Michelin tires, Reutemann finished in the first place out of the points in seventh. Oh, and a fun little thing at the end of the race, five-time world champion Juan Manuel Fangio was the one that waved the checkered flag, and he did it for the wrong Lotus. All right, moving on to, I guess, awards you could call them. I'm just going to start this off with doing driver of the day and a race rating, but if there's anything else you want me to do, definitely let me know. So starting with driver of the day, I got to give it to Andretti. He got pull, he led every lap, and just had a really convincing first win, and that's the best way you can start your season. And for the race rating, I'm going to go with a 5 out of 10. This is the first race. I don't know how consistent the scoring system's going to be, but this race, it wasn't amazing. It wasn't horrible. A 5 feels right. And that is round one done. It's only two weeks later. The second round of the season is taking place in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil at, and I'm going to butcher this, Jack Ari Pigua. Jack Ari Pigua? Something like that. We're in the tropics. It's incredibly hot. And the teams were desperately trying to put on all the cooling vents possible. And McLaren went so far as to put in an ice water tank that fed to a vest the drivers were wearing, trying to keep them cool in any way possible. At this race, this would be the first one for the brand new team, Arrows. They were definitely cutting it close and didn't test until they got to Brazil. The first time they ran their car was at a local airport, and it was just to make sure the systems were at least functioning. Moving on to qualifying, it seemed like Michelin had learned their lesson from Argentina. There, they raced pretty hard, conservative tires, and it obviously did not pay off for them. So they brought softer ones. They were getting a little risky, and it was paying off, and their times were getting close to the Lotuses and the McLarens. Brabham, however, were having a rough go of it, and Lauda had said the balance of the car was off and nearly undrivable. But once again, we have four drivers missing out on the race, and sadly, once again, Gallica was one of them. The results were in 10th place. Lauda was the best he could manage for Brabham, and 9th was Stuck for Shadow, 8th was Jones for Williams. Seventh was Fittipaldi for Fittipaldi or Copper Sukar, which was a very impressive showing for a car that's normally way towards the back of the grid. And this is for their home race in Brazil, which is awesome. In sixth was Vilner for Ferrari. In fifth was Tom Bay for McLaren. Fourth, Reutemann for Ferrari. Third, Andretti for Lotus. In second was Hunt for McLaren and taking pole was Peterson for Lotus. A couple other people to note was Regazzoni started in 15th for Shadow, Peroni started 19th for Tyrrell, and the best Watson could manage was 22nd for Brabham. And we have another hot, dry day for the race, and we're going 63 laps around the circuit in Rio. I'm not going to try to say the circuit name again. 
Peterson screwed it up from pole. He spun his rear wheels, which led Reutemann into the lead. And then he got overtaken by Hunt down the back straight on the first lap. And so with that, Reutemann was off to the races, the complete opposite of what happened in Argentina. And he already had a six second lead, only two laps into the race. But there was plenty of drama down the field. Patrese got off to an interesting start with arrows in only his third lap collided into Watson, sending the pair into a spin and straight to the back of the field. Next up was Depaye who spun his Tyrrell and he got it going, but the damage was too bad and he was out too. Hunt was running in second, but that only lasted seven laps before his Goodyear tires needed to be changed. And it was suddenly looking like Michelin had got the best of Goodyear. In another Goodyear versus Michelin battle, Villeneuve was catching Peterson and went for a gap that was always going to close and sent them both onto the grass. Villeneuve was able to keep going, but that was day over for Peterson. Even further down the field, Schechter was the next casualty when he plowed into the back of Tombe. Meanwhile, the Brazilian Fittipaldi was making moves, much to the delight of the fans. And at this point, after everybody else's drama, he had quietly worked his way up to second place. This meant our leading pack was Reutemann having a quiet race way off in the distance, followed by Fittipaldi, Stuck, and then Lauda, who had his own close call when a wheel balance weight from Stuck's car flew past his head and lodged itself into his rear wing. But he wouldn't have to worry about flying debris for much longer as Stuck had to retire with a fuel pump issue. Hunt was finally making his way back through the field after he had to pit super early in the race, but Patrese was having none of it. And with frustration getting the best of him, Hunt spun out and that was his race over. So far, we aren't even halfway through And of the major runners, we've lost Hunt, Stuck, Schechter, Peterson, and Depaye. The race quieted down from there. The only major moves coming from Andretti, who worked his way up past Lauda and up past Fittipaldi, sitting comfortably in second. But with only five laps left, Andretti started having issues with his gearbox and slowed letting Fittipaldi and Lauda through to a massive cheer from the Brazilian fans. And that's how it finished. Reutemann came in first with a 50-second lead ahead of Fittipaldi, who scored the team's first podium in front of the home crowd. And that was followed by Lauda in third, Andretti in fourth, Regazzoni in fifth, and Peroni in sixth in a very impressive closing stint where he had a cracked exhaust and a bent steering arm, although he did make it difficult for himself because he spun on his own and did that damage in the first place. But he still brought home points. My driver of the day has to be Fittipaldi. In a car that had no business being that far up, to score the first podium in front of the home crowd, it doesn't get any better than that. And for my race rating, I'm going to go with a 7 out of 10. It kind of feels like an 8, but it still feels too early for that. So I'm going for a 7 just for the absolute chaos. And that is round two done. (music) 
for round three, we are moving from South America to South Africa. It's about a month later, and we are at Kailami for the 12th race at this circuit. In the past, it had been fully supported by ticket revenues from the event. Didn't have any issues, but in the past four years, the cost of getting the F1 quote-unquote circus <laughs> to the track has ballooned. And the track owners were desperately in need of financial backing to even put on the event, which looked completely in doubt only a couple weeks before it was set to start. But at the last minute, they received funding from a South African newspaper, The Citizen, and Associated Engineering Limited. But because this backing came so late, the track owners decided it wasn't worth it to spend money on getting the track up to safety standards. If it didn't happen, it wasn't going to be worth the money, supposedly. But that left them in a bit of a bind. And on the morning of the first practice session, the FIA reps refused to sign off on the track. And it looked like, again, the race wasn't going to happen. But there was some pushing and nudging behind the scenes and some last minute updates were made and the FIA gave in, only missing the first practice session and resuming for the afternoon. At this race, Renault was finally making their season debut. And sadly for Davina Galica, she was replaced at Hesketh and that would be the end of her career. The other driver change came from the Arrows team. Gunnar Nilsson, who was suffering from cancer, was officially ruled out for the season and was replaced by Roth Stommelin, who brought the team new financial backing from German Warsteiner beer firm. And the car was changed to look like a giant beer can, and suspiciously, any sign of Franco Ambrosio, the original sponsor of the team, and the A in Arrows, was completely absent from the car. The other thing of note going into this race was the tire war was heating up. Goodyear had brought a plethora of compounds for the chosen teams to choose from, and those were Brabham, Tyrrell, Lotus, McLaren, and Wolf, while Michelin only had two teams to worry about, Ferrari and now Renault. For qualifying, Watson came in 10th for McLaren, Reutemann was in 9th for Ferrari, Villeneuve in 8th for Ferrari, Patrese in 7th for Arrows, making the most of his situation when Goodyear gave him the better tires that were reserved for the quote-unquote chosen teams. Um, the reason Goodyear chose to do this was he was close to Villeneuve on the timing sheets and they wanted to ensure that they would be ahead of any Michelin. So they gave Patrese the tires and it worked. Jabui qualified in an impressive sixth for Renault. Schechter was in fifth for Wolf, Tombe in fourth for McLaren, Hunt in third for McLaren, Andretti in second for Lotus, and taking pole was Lauda for Brabham. It's yet another hot and sunny day, and we're going for 78 laps around Kailami. Lauda led right off the line, but had a hesitation in his gear selection, and that let Andretti through for the lead. Further back, Tombe's great grid position was for not when he overheated the clutch and was just left sitting on the starting grid, watching every single person pass him. His teammate Hunt was having a slightly better go of it up front, but 
in a failed attempt to get around a ladder for a second, he forgot Schechter existed behind him and found himself in fourth. All hope was lost only five laps later when his engine blew up. The top four remained steady from there with Andretti leading Schechter, Lauda, and Patrese. Things stayed pretty quiet through the first quarter of the race until the premium Goodyear tires began to fail. The front runners started having problems with overheating, particularly Andretti, who was leading the race, who suddenly found himself falling back through the pack. Andretti fell all the way to fifth, and Schechter said, thank you very much, I'll take this lead, but he also inherited the same tire issue and suffered the same fate as Andretti. This left the young Patrese and the Aeros team in the lead of their first F1 race, pulling away from the likes of a Lotus and a Brabham. Oh yeah, and Ferrari, they were stuck in a train behind Dubuie for Renault who wasn't going fast enough to catch the cars ahead and not slow enough to let the cars behind around. At least the pain of being stuck behind a Renault ended in typical Renault fashion when on lap 39, the engine went pop and the cars behind him were finally free. Then about 10 laps later is when things got interesting. Back up front, Lauda had finally made his way past Schecter and was closing to Depay for second when his engine blew. A lap later, a backmarker's engine blew and left a trail of oil. Then Villeneuve's car started leaking smoke and oil, leaving Tom Bay to navigate the terrain. And he missed the oil left by Villeneuve, but got caught out by the oil left by the backmarker, and he was in the barriers. Then Lafitte miraculously made it through this whole situation unscathed, but Reutemann, did not have such luck, slipped ironically on his own teammate's oil, and he was off into the barriers and his car caught fire. Luckily, nobody was injured, but it was one of the more chaotic sequences of events I've seen. After all of that, Patrese was still out front ahead of Depaye, Andretti, Peterson, and Watson, who also went for a little spin, but he came out okay. Um, and with 15 laps to go, absolute tragedy for Patrese when his engine blew up and he was forced to pull to the side of the road and watch Depaye breeze past. With Patrese out, this left a top three of Depaye, Andretti, and Peterson. But with only three laps left, Andretti was forced to pit for fuel, leaving only Depaye and Peterson. Peterson, who had kept his nose clean the whole day, was slowly closing onto Paye as his Tyrrell started to smoke and was leaving an oil trail. And on the final lap, Peterson got within striking distance of him, and the two were wheel-to-wheel for almost the entire lap. But with only a few corners left, Peterson squeezed past the Tyrrell, and although he only had half a lap, it was the only half lap that counted, and he took the win from Paye by less than half a second. After all of that drama, the final results were... Peterson taking the win for Lotus, Depaye in second for Tyrrell, Watson in third for Brabham, Jones taking Williams' first ever points as a constructor, Lafitte in fifth for Ligier, and Peroni in sixth for Tyrrell. Even though he finished outside of the points, Andretti got the fastest lap. For driver of the day, I have to give it to Peterson to keep his nose clean through all of that 
is wildly impressive. And to bring home one of the more dramatic ends to an F1 race is pretty impressive. And for my race rating, I'm going to give this an 8 out of 10. Another one, I was tempted to maybe go a little higher, but again, we're early on, so we'll see. And that is round three, done. It's another month later, and we have made it to America for the USA West Grand Prix at Long Beach, a street circuit hosting its third F1 race. Notably, this was the race debut for the Shadow DN9 that looked remarkably similar to the Arrows FA1, both in part designed by Tony Southgate, who had held the same position at Shadow a few months ago that he now holds at Arrows. After seeing both cars together, Don Nichols, Shadow owner and former CIA agent, was none too pleased about the situation and filed a lawsuit claiming that Arrows violated intellectual property rights. And we'll get to that decision later on in the season. Nothing too much of note happened in qualifying, but the top 10 were in 10th, Schechter for Wolf, 9th, Patrese for Arrows, 8th, Jones for Williams, 7th, Hunt for McLaren, 6th, Peterson for Lotus, 5, Watson for Brabham, 4, Andretti for Lotus, 3, Lauda for Brabham, 2, Villeneuve for Ferrari, and taking pole was Reutemann for Ferrari. On trend with the rest of the season, we have another warm, sunny day, and we're going 81 laps around Long Beach. Reutemann led right off the line, but Watson got an excellent start from fifth and outbroke the Ferrari, took the lead from him, but in doing so, forgot his teammate Villeneuve existed, who followed him through the corner and overtook him on the outside. So for the opening stages, the top five were Villeneuve leading Watson, Lauda, Reutemann, who was all the way back and forth, who had another bad start like Argentina, and Andretti was in fifth. A little further down the grid, Hunt, only eight laps into the race, clipped a curb, spun out of the race into the barriers, and retired for the third time in a row. Following that, Watson's engine decided it had had enough, and he gifted his teammate Lauda second, who was now sandwiched in between the two Ferraris. But shortly after, Lauda's ignition decided it was done for the day too. He was forced to retire, and the two Brabhams were on the sidelines watching a Ferrari one too. The two Ferraris led Jones for Williams, and at this point, I was starting to get a little bit bored. You know, after the past two races, they've been pretty exciting. Things were pretty slow. One-twos are boring. We know that with Mercedes. But I'm telling you, the moment I started to think that, Villeneuve was going to lap Regazzoni and got a little too excited trying to do that. A little side note, different from today, lap cars didn't have to immediately jump out of the way the second a leader appeared even slightly in their mirrors like they do now. They could keep going full pace until it was convenient for both of them to let the leader get past. So I guess for whatever reason, Villeneuve expected Regazzoni to leave him some space. He attempted to dive up the inside, but in doing so, launched his car over the curb, across the shadow, spun, and went backwards into the barrier. And that was his day done. 
With that, his teammate Reutemann said, thank you very much. I'll take that lead. And he led from Jones, Depaye, Andretti, Schechter, and then Tombe, who a few laps later was pushing Schechter for fifth. And much like his good friend Villeneuve was a little too optimistic and tried to move on Schechter, who was having absolutely none of it. And the two collided. Tombe was able to keep going, but that was day done for Schechter. The race slowed down a little bit from there. And at this point, Reutemann was way out front, so far out front, he relaxed a little bit. But in doing so, maybe relaxed a little too much and went for a full 360 degree Seb level spin um, before he carried on and, and still had the lead. But behind him, Jones, who was doing so well to keep second for Williams and what would have been their best finish to date, he had a structural issue and just it kept getting worse and worse and he quickly fell all the way down to eighth. In the last notable exchange of the day, karma came for Tombe as Lafitte tried a Hail Mary with only four laps to go, but misjudged the breaking point, slammed into Tombe, Lafitte was able to keep going, but Tombe, just like Schechter, was done for the day. That meant when all was said and done, Reutemann took the win ahead of Andretti and Depaye, who had had a quiet day and was rewarded with third. Following that was Peterson in fourth, Lafitte in fifth, and Patrese rounding out the points positions in sixth. Despite not finishing in the points, Jones was at least able to pull together his very first fastest lap. Oh, and I almost forgot, another Renault engine blew up, but I think that's just a given at this point. For driver of the day, I'm going to give it to Jones. He was holding his own in second, and for a young driver and team, I'm sure that's pretty difficult to do. And he only fell back through the pack because the car failed him. And he still got the fastest lap. For my race rating, I'm going to go for a 5 out of 10. It just feels right, you know? It wasn't that exciting. It wasn't the most boring thing. So a five feels good. And that wraps up round four. Our final race of the day is the first race of the European leg and the most famous of them all, Monaco. Back to there not being enough grid spots. Well, now there aren't even enough practice spots. For the race, there would only be 20 grid spots 24 practice spots, and 30 cars competing for those spots. Now, even to just get a practice spot, the smaller teams had to do what was called pre-qualifying. In an hour session before the first official timed session, the remaining cars were battling for the final four spots. But a controversial rule came in for Monaco, which allowed the race organizers to pick two teams that they would let automatically through for practice. One of those was Renault, which makes sense. It's basically in France. And Williams, who was sponsored by Saudi Airlines, which raised some eyebrows up and down the grid. This left nine cars to battle it out for two spots, and it was the new Aeros team that took them both. But Stamelin did crack a rib during that effort. For actual qualifying, the top 10 were Jones in 10th for Williams, Schechter in 9th for Wolf, Villeneuve in 8th for Ferrari, Peterson in 7th for Lotus, 
Hunt in sixth for McLaren, Depaye in fifth for Tyrrell, Andretti in fourth for Lotus, Lauda in third for Brabham, Watson in second for Brabham, and Reutemann taking another pole position for Ferrari. For the race, we're going 75 laps around Monte Carlo, and for the conditions are, you guessed it, warm and dry. Reutemann got another bad start for the third time in five races, while Watson took the lead from second, and a great start from fifth for Depaye got him past the Ferrari and up to second. This left Reutemann to fall into a pack with Lauda and Hunt, and the trio banged wheels and the barriers going through the first couple corners. Somehow, Lauda made it out unscathed, but Hunt and Reutemann were left to limp back to the pits. After Reutemann bolted on a new set of Michelins, he rejoined the field right ahead of leader Watson, which for the better part of a couple laps was a little bit confusing. Thought a Ferrari had somehow made it up into the lead, but he was really just almost a lap down. So the actual leaders were Watson from Depaye and Lauda. Watson and Depaye kept it pretty close for a long time while Lauda just sat back, bided his time, assessed the situation, and the trio pulled away from the rest of the field. Things got a bit boring and processional from there in typical Monaco fashion until a little over half distance, Lauda decided it was finally his time to make a move. Around the time he was deciding to make that move, he got some help from his teammate. Watson's brakes were starting to fade and he went straight through a chicane, which let Depaye and Lauda past. But Lauda, only a couple laps later, he could feel his rear Goodyear tire starting to go, and he wasted no time and dove into the pits. The leading pack was now Depaye, Watson, Schechter, Patrese, Villeneuve, and Lauda rejoined in sixth. That sixth quickly became fifth when Peterson's gearbox gave up and he retired. Lauda then charged down Villeneuve when the two went side by side into the tunnel and it's not clear exactly what happened, but when the Ferrari emerged, it was scraping against the guardrail, a tire was ripped off, and Lauda's fifth became fourth. Lauda's teammate Watson, I guess he was feeling pretty generous yet again, and he made another mistake, went straight on at St. Devote, and while the marshals were pushing him back on track, he watched Schechter and Lauda breeze past, which made it a third for Lauda and a podium position that seemed unlikely just a few laps ago. With only three laps left, Lauda hunted down Schechter, setting the fastest lap along the way over a second quicker than anyone else, getting past the Wolf for second. And that was the race. Depaye took his very first win. Lauda had an impressive comeback for second. Schechter, somewhat heartbroken in third. Watson finished fourth, which arguably should have been first. But following him was Peroni in fifth and Patrese in sixth. Also, further down the field, Hunt kept his streak alive and retired with a mechanical failure. Oh, and I have to give a nod to Renault for finally finishing their first race with Jibui coming in 10th. Driver of the day is going to Lauda. He had a great recovery drive and in an era where pitting tends to be detrimental to race results, he was able to set an incredible fastest lap. 
and pull out a second place finish. Finally, the race rating, I'm going a six out of 10. Some drama, but it had some soul laps too. That wraps up all of the races for today's episode. And after five races, the championship standings look like this. Depaye is in first for Tyrrell, who has been having a pretty quiet season, but he's kept his nose clean and has been rewarded. In second, or tied for second, is Reutemann for Ferrari, despite all of his bad starts, and Andretti for Lotus, who's been pretty quiet since his first dominant win in Argentina. In fourth is Lauda for Brabham, who's already not having quite the season he was looking for, not putting up much of a title defense. Peterson is in fifth for Lotus. Watson is in sixth for Brabham. Fittipaldi is in seventh. Schechter is in eighth for Wolf. Lafitte is in ninth for Ligier. Peroni is in tenth for Tyrrell. Jones is in eleventh for Williams. Hunt is in twelfth for McLaren, who's been having a pretty terrible season so far. He had quite a bit of momentum coming off the back of 77. He won the last two races, but in only the first five races, he's already retired in four of them. But behind him is Regazzoni in 13th for Shadow, Patrese in 14th for Arrows, and Tombe rounding out the drivers with points in 15th for McLaren. As for the constructors, Lotus is leading, followed by Tyrrell, Brabham, Ferrari, Fittipaldi, Woof, Ligier, McLaren, Williams, Shadow, and Arrows. And that wraps up everything I have for you today. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. It is greatly appreciated and really helps us out. If you want to follow the show, you can do that at RelapsedF1 on Instagram and Twitter. You can also follow my personal Twitter at Deanna Relapped, where I tweet about present day F1. And if you have any thoughts, questions, comments, concerns, you can DM me on Twitter or Instagram or email the show at relapsedf one at gmail.com. I would like to get a Q&A section going. So if there's anything you want to know more about or just kind of have questions about in general, let me know. Finally, if you want to give us a little support monetarily, you can do that at patreon.com backslash relapsed. And that is it from me. I will see you next week for part two of the 78th season. 